0: Welcome to Bunny Hugs and Mental Health, the podcast that deals with all things mental health. We talk to professionals, survivors, and loved ones about their sometimes informative, sometimes uplifting, and sometimes tragic stories. I'm your host of the show, Todd Rennebon, advocate, recovering addict, experienced sufferer of depression and anxiety, and author of the children's book, Sometimes Daddy Cries. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bunny Hugs and Mental Health. I am Todd Rennebaum and this is the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Thank you so much for listening and uh, I'll say this every time, if you don't start leaving reviews and and, and ratings, I I know you're listening so it's super simple. You can do it while listening even. Uh, So yeah, please do that. Before I talk about this week's episode, I would like to talk about next week's guest quickly. His name is Jeremy Hotz. He's a stand-up comedian, and he's been on a couple little shows. Maybe you've heard of them, uh, like David Letterman and the Jay Leno Show, uh, Just for Laughs. And he's on tour right now uh, with his Marquis de Sade tour. And uh, it was a lot of fun, that interview, so stay tuned for that next week. Now this week's episode is not fun, uh, but it is very inspiring. Uh, it is very heartwarming, touching. It's sad. It's tragic. It's it's a whole bunch of emotions. It, it's it's buckle in. Maybe, maybe maybe this is a disclaimer that uh, you may be triggered. I speak with author Chad Miro about surviving the crash, his his newest book and his only book so far. Uh, Chad lost his younger sister Shanda Van Devorst. She was 33. His brother-in-law Jordan Van Divorced, He was 34. He lost his niece Cameron at age five, and his nephew McGuire, age two, in a car crash. Uh, the other driver is Catherine McKay. She was a drunk driver. And I'm also going to be speaking with Spencer Mitchell, and that is Catherine's son. And, uh, they have an interesting, uh, relationship, those two. So, um, yeah, I, I won't ruin, I won't ruin the surprise. You, You just have to listen to the interview. Uh, I look forward, I I've been looking forward to this one for, for quite a while. So please enjoy. And thank you again, gentlemen, for this interview without further ado, I give you Chad and Spencer.
1: My sister was my best friend. Uh, her and I were very close. Talked nearly every day. Uh, we knew pretty well everything that was going on in my life, and you know, anytime we had things going on with kids on my end or things with kids on her end, we always bounced all that kind of stuff back and forth with each other, and um, just just had this really close knit relationship. And I was close with my niece and nephew. Uh, just as much as I was with, with my own kids. Um, little McGuire was too, uh, when, uh, when the car crash happened and, um, you know, a two-year-old at Christmas time with mini sticks running around, just learning how to smack a ball around and running into furniture. And, you know, we always, uh, we always say sorry in my house because he—that's uh, what he did at Christmas time. He ran into the couch playing hockey with his little mini sticks at Christmas, and uh, he he apologized to the couch. So uh, you know, we we kind of joke about that kind of stuff, and and in a way, it's kind of to share their memory and and some of the good things that we remember about them, but. <laughs> mcguire was just a goer he uh was just getting his wheels and two years old and full of energy and spunk and finding his words and figuring out you know what he was interested in doing and playing with and uh didn't really sit still and cameron was much the same only with a little more sass and a little more attitude uh at five years old she would um have no problem giving you the, the one-liners or, or ribbing you a little bit or, you know, sarcasm, um, just just really coming into her own little personality at five years old. So um, it, it's, it's hard not to be close to little ones at that age when uh, when they're in your family. And we spent a lot of time with them, um, even, you know, different events like birthdays and Christmases and uh, Easters and all the all the family holidays, we were always with them and hanging out with them. So very, very close to all four. And Jordan, he was um, a very avid photographer. He took thousands upon thousands of pictures. Um, we're super thankful for that because we have tons and tons of pictures of of those two little ones and was in quite a few of them as well jordan not so much because he was behind the camera um he loved his northern lights and um the nighttime pictures with stars and northern lights he he was out nearly every weekend to get the next best shot so he was involved with a very close-knit community with the photography world and that was his passion um just a genuine caring, loving guy and uh, he would do anything to, to help people, whether it was strangers or family or, or close friends, it didn't really matter, he would, he would do whatever he had to do or needed to do to, to help and support. And my sister was much the same, just uh, a, a total giver. Um, she would give her shirt off her, her back just to help the next person out in any way she could. So four really beautiful, uh, amazing people and, you know, close, very close with their family and friends and very involved with community, very involved with um, just helping out in any way they, can, they could or any way they could. Um, you know, with Shanda was into sports and she played hockey. Uh, excuse me, played hockey with the Huskies here in Saskatoon, um, for four years or five years, I forget. Um, and from there, she, she became a a sports therapist. So helping people navigate through sports injuries and other injuries. Um, so just total, total giver and always helping. Um, when, when she passed away, her work, um, Put pictures up of her in the office with her. They called it the Shanda smile. She always had a smile. Uh, she was known for it. And it didn't matter what was going on in her life or what was happening. Just always this ear-to-ear smile. So, you know, again, leaning on some of those memories and remembering that smile. And Cameron was shaping out to be to be much the same at five years old, just always running around with that big smile on her face too. Hmm.
0: So. Do you mind telling me about how you found out about the crash and, and a little bit about that night like i, I know it's in the book but mm-hmm. um which by the way i have and it's uh, i've this is the first book i've i've read where i started sobbing um it the first couple chapters are just so gut-wrenching and heartbreaking um i mean I don't know if I'm selling the book or not, but uh, it, 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 just is so, so touching and so heartbreaking. But, um, if you don't mind just kind of describing that day and how you found out and,
1: and, uh, and kind of where the family
0: met and stuff.
1: Okay. Um, first of all, I'll touch on what you said about the book. It's, I mean, that's, I, I, I wanted to put something down on page that was real and was raw and was truth you know I didn't I didn't beat around the bush in any way I said how I was feeling how I was doing and I I laid the truth out in the raw the rawness that comes with it so having that emotion reading the book I don't know how you can't have that kind of emotion reading that book because it's it's just that raw and it, it hits close to everybody's heart um so for sure it brings the emotions out as far as, you know, learning about what happened, um, I, it, it was the dreaded phone call that everybody, you know, sort of hears about or, or sees in a movie. Uh, three o'clock in the morning, the phone ringing and just picking up the, the, the phone and, and somebody on the other end, it was a voice that I knew it was a, a local police officer. And he shared with me that there was uh, a terrible car accident and that my sister and my brother-in-law were in it and um, it, it wasn't good. My, my memory of that phone call is, is quite vague. Um, if I was to tell you the exact words he used, I'd be, I'd be guessing. Um, but the long, the long and the short of it is he, he shared with me that Shonda and Jordan were, were killed in the car crash. And, um, you know, as I'm absorbing those words, I'm, I'm immediately thinking about the kids and wondering if Cameron and McGuire were even in the car or were they else or, you know, so that was my, my next question for him. And he, he wanted to avoid answering that question. He, um, he was quite uncomfortable on the other end of the line. And he wondered if he could send somebody to come and pick me up and, uh, you know, share the rest of the story with me and perhaps even get me to the hospital where the four of them were. And I, I, you know, I basically said, I can, I can handle it. Um, tell me what's going on. And he said, well, um, it, it truthfully doesn't look very good for the, the two kids either. They were also in the car and, um, McGuire was essentially uh, pronounced dead at the scene, and Cameron, uh, and he he wasn't too sure. He 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 kind of alluded to the fact that you know things were not good, and I needed to get there to to find out the rest of of the story or what was going on. So from there, um, you know, I picked myself up off the floor. I was my knees buckled. My my body just gave out and I found myself laying on the floor and uh needing needing to get up and go go to the hospital so it's um at that point it was you know getting myself to RUH they were um all I knew was the kids were in the NICU at RUH so I went racing over there um I, you know, the drive took 30 seconds and 30 years at the same time. Um, I uh, I I got there not knowing what I was going to see or, or what I was going to come into. And uh, when I arrived, Maguire was in a room and Jordan's mom and dad were there holding holding little Maguire. And um, I had the opportunity to come in the room and... See McGuire and um, you know see his body and what he looked like, and obviously uh, you you could tell um, he wasn't doing so good, and he was he was beat up um, and getting an opportunity to hold him, and um, they had a breathing apparatus on him, helping him. Uh, pump air into his lungs. I, I suspect actually that he was already gone um, before I got there, but they were um, allowing some of us as family members to, you know, take an opportunity to see him kind of at the at the end stage. And let me tell you, there's nothing, nothing tougher than seeing that with a two-year-old, um, especially uh, him and I were really tight. And, uh he always used to hold my little, he'd hold my finger with his little hand. And, you know, he wasn't doing that. He wasn't moving. He wasn't talking. He wasn't crying. He wasn't anything. And uh, that's uh, likely one of the toughest things I've ever had to do was come into a room and, and see that happening. Um, and then from there, um, I don't know how long later. Could have been minutes, could have been hours. I'm not exactly sure, but figuring out that Cameron was just across the hall in, in ICU and she was hooked up to all kinds of machines to, to keep her body going. Um, we learned that they thought, um, the doctors thought that she was brain damaged brain dead and um, you know they had to determine that and go through the test to to figure out if that was the case or or what was happening exactly with her so just um, those first few hours um, hanging out with my niece and nephew in the hospital and um, having to accept some harsh realities very tough
0: oh yeah god I can't I can't even imagine Um Yeah, that, yeah, I don't know what to say, but I I just can't even imagine. Um, I did an episode about grief the other day and like, this is like grief times four, like plus their tragedies. It's not like, it's not like a a parent who, who's up in age, who is, you know, it's just a horrible, horrible story. I, I can't even imagine what your family went through. Um, so eventually that day, both the kids ended up passing. You, like you guys decided as a family, take them off life support or.
1: Yeah. So we, McGuire was gone, um, as I was arriving or shortly after or shortly before, I'm not exactly sure, but sometime around then. And Cameron was, was pronounced brain dead, um, later that day and stayed on, on machines to keep her organs going. Um, we elected to donate her organs and tissues and everything that we possibly could as a, as a family unit. We all agreed that that was what they would have wanted. And, um, you know, a little girl full of zest and life and, and so happy and so, you know, just full of life. Uh, we, we knew that that needed to... Carry on, if at all possible. So we we elected to to do that, donate organs. Um, so yeah, essentially, in the first, um, you know, in the first day, learning that all four were gone or going to be, um, they didn't didn't actually pronounce Cameron dead until the next day, until the machines were all disconnected and and. Um, you know, organs donated and everything that they could do with that. So uh three in one day and one the next. And um, yeah, man, it's uh it was tough. Really tough.
0: And it was in the hospital you found out it was the the other driver was alive and well and it was a drunk driver.
1: Yes. At some point we ended up in the in the family waiting room in, in ICU, and police officers came in to tell us what they knew and share with us that it was, in fact, uh, a drunk driver that had hit them. Um, up until then, we didn't we didn't really have any information, and um, if anything was said, it was I, I didn't I didn't catch it until we were actually in the waiting room and all of us as, as whatever family members were there at the time um hearing from the police officer that actually was on scene um him and his partner partner were literally uh he he thought within 90 seconds of of the accident they happened to be going by um just when it was happening so they were on scene right away and i'll never forget he shared that he um, assessed what was happening, and he actually held McGuire's hand, and uh, those words stuck with me and still do today. Um, you know, I have I have visions of of that. Um, you know, I can only imagine what it's like coming onto a scene like that. But yeah, learning it was a drunk driver who was uh, was okay and. She went to hospital just to get a you know get checked out, and she was basically just scratches and uh, otherwise fine um so learning that in itself was was tough you know four in one car gone, and the driver caused it was um well, it was virtually unscathed and and fine hmm.
0: so now fast forward a bit um she's obviously charged you have to well you don't have to but you you go to court and you see can I mention her name I guess it's in the book it's Catherine
1: yeah Catherine yeah uh you
0: you see what was it like seeing Catherine the first time and actually you know being in the in the same room as her seeing her what kind of emotions were you going through then
1: We, um, so, so the first couple of court dates were, were hearings. Um, and some of us as family members wanted to go to see her in person. Um, you know, initially I think throw, throw daggers with eyes and just, uh, you know, anger, lots of anger, uh, maybe even a little bit of rage, hard feelings, of course. And, um, going to those hearings and learning that she was on Skype, she was on video conference. Uh, so she actually wasn't there in person uh, during the hearings. Now, um, once court in July happened where the sentencing was happening, she was in fact there in person. And at, at that time, you, you know, I I heard her read her court statement and I felt the emotion in her voice. Uh, She did cry. She did share emotion. Uh, I felt she did share, you know, remorse and she was sorry. And, you know, those were important things for us to hear and to feel uh, for me, for sure. Um, You know, her court statement and what she read uh, stuck with me. She essentially, at one point, stated that she would like to spend the rest of her life preventing a tragedy like this from happening to other families. Um, And that, you know, those words stuck with me. I hoped that she would continue with those thoughts and, you know, want to do something productive later in life, uh, whether it's while she's incarcerated or after, towards, you know, preventing this from happening to other people.
0: Right. But... Actions speak louder than words. So yeah, um, yeah. Um, so eventually you, you decided to meet her children and was that when you made that decision, had you already decided to start writing the book or was it meeting them that kind of inspired you to start writing the book?
1: I met them first, um initially it was a curiosity i wondered how their family was doing you know i started putting some thought into what would it be like to get a phone call saying that your mom caused this accident and you know did she have kids did they get those phone calls did they where were they when that happened how were they doing um are they able to talk to their mom? Are they able to forgive? Are, like I had all these curiosities and questions in my head. Um, and that led me in late 2018 to to reach out to one of her daughters. Um, I had learned through social media on some of the uh, forums and things that I was following when I couldn't sleep at three o'clock in the morning. Um, her her daughter was commenting on some of the things that were going on so I, I sort of had figured out the family name and who they were and that led me to reach out in december of 2018 and share my forgiveness with with catherine's daughter so you you had forgiven i, I remember this part of me so oh,
0: sorry the the skype went wacky for a second there um, you had already forgiven Catherine before you had met the family or
1: yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, really? So okay. that all unfolded in 2016, going through my grief journey. Um, I really had to dive deep into figuring out who the heck I was and what I was made of. And in turn, uh, taking a long look in the mirror and, you know, understanding some of the things that I've done wrong in my life. And once I was able to sort of give myself some grace and be at peace with who I was, that allowed me to investigate further and in, into, you know, Catherine and her life and, and her family, um, which then eventually led me to reach out to Catherine's daughter. And, uh, you know, the response that I got from Catherine's daughter uh, was, was nothing short of amazing. Um, I refer to it in my book as, you know, healing hearts, healing together. And just, you know, it, it doesn't matter that we're on two sides of the story. We're, we're all hurting. We're all grieving. We're all trying to navigate through this, this terrible situation. Um, so reaching out to, to her adult children and, you know, eventually sitting down face-to-face with, with four of them. Um, Catherine's daughters, uh, I've sat down and talked to a couple of them, and her sons, two of her sons, and, uh, you know, just just sharing how we're feeling and how we're doing, and completely awkward, completely awkward in the first conversations, right? There's hesitations on both sides. There is apprehensions on both sides, you know, I, I, for them, I can only imagine what is this guy wanting to talk to us for? And, you know, is, is he meaning well, or is he going to throw daggers at us? Because they, they were throwing everything. Um, people, people were so mean to them, you know, they, they didn't do it. Their mom did. And people were, uh, making them guilty by association. People were sending them death threats and calling them names and, just bad, so bad, um, really, really harsh. So, I can only imagine me coming in, you know, and wanting to have a conversation with them. Uh, a lot of apprehension on their side, for sure. And then on my side, it was more of a, you know, I really wanted to know how they were doing. And that's that. That's where it all started, um, reaching out to them and curious how they're coping and how they're doing. Um, you know, I was sort of imagining if if one of my parents was incarcerated and went away, uh, how how would I feel? How would I would how would I be doing? Um, and, and that's what led me to reach out to them.
0: Um, let me ask you this question: Have you ever drove drunk in the past?
1: Yeah, uh, I'd be I'd be lying if I said I hadn't. When I was young. Um, I I certainly had. Yeah, yeah, same.
0: And I going through your book, I, I I thought many times like, man, that could have easily have been me, killing an entire family or anybody or myself or whatever. I don't know how many times you know. That's like, yeah, I, it, it's. I mean, it's that doesn't excuse anything, but she's just a woman who made a mistake, just like a lot of other people do. And I mean, like her kids, like you said, they had absolutely nothing to do with this. So it's, it drives me crazy that people are, are saying things to them online and, and and whatever, but I know Spencer, who's going to be joining us soon, he was very apprehensive because, because of that, he didn't want people knowing him or, you know. He's he scared that it would start all over again, which I just don't understand. I don't understand people. I don't understand their logic. If if you can forgive them, well, you, you don't even have to forgive them. If you can forgive their mother, who's the person that actually was the one that was in the car,
1: mm-hmm. then why
0: the hell can't people just leave them alone? I don't understand. But, Agreed. I,
1: Agreed. It doesn't
0: make much sense. But uh, what did your family think of you um, talking with, with her family?
1: That was a that was an interesting thing in itself. Um, when I mentioned to my my sister and my mom um, that I was thinking about going to see Catherine's kids, uh, they didn't really know what to say. They didn't really know what to do, what to think. Um, and it was you know even to this day, I I would say that they're not quite to the point where I am. I don't think they're as far along in, you know, the forgiveness journey. Um, And the wording around that's really tough to, to, to say or put into something that, you know, truly portrays it because everybody's grief and everybody's forgiveness, everybody's grace, everybody's, you know, perception of events is so different and so vast so you know it was my journey to have right and you know my family supports me even if they don't 100 percent agree with me you know they there's certainly i would say they agree i just don't know how much let's put it that way right. um because every you well, know that's all you can ask for really yeah totally yeah totally
0: yeah um You don't have to understand. You just have to support me, right? And that's fine. Um, Right. Hello, Spencer. Thank you for joining. Thanks for having me. How are you doing, brother? Pretty good. How are you? Good to see you. Good to see you too, my man. We just got to the point where Chad was was meeting uh, you and your family. Uh, Do you mind uh, if we just jump right into it? (laughs) No, go ahead. What was that first meeting with Chad like for you?
2: Uh, It was, it was a little, uh, I would say nerve wracking the first time around. Like, I don't know, you don't know what to expect when you meet someone under those circumstances, right? Like, like, uh, I don't know, like, we we hit it off right away and we we became like comfortable talking to each other right away. But at first, like I, I wasn't, I didn't invite him into my home. Like I had him. Uh, meet me in my garage and uh, we, we he brought us coffee and we sat and what what I thought was gonna be maybe like an hour meeting of a lot of uncomfortableness turned out to be you know I think he sat with us for probably like four and a half five hours and we just sat there and talked and and in the end it, it didn't end with like a handshake it ended with a hug so it was kind of it was a lot different than what I expected it to be at first like I thought it was gonna be something different I didn't think I was gonna make that sort of connection with Chad, especially not that quickly, but definitely, yeah. uh, definitely was not what was expected for
0: sure. Right. Now, now let's back up a little bit. I keep smacking my mic. Um, <laughs> how did you find out about the crash that your mom was involved in? Um, I think it was about
2: midnight. Uh, actually the next day, I think it was with, we, we didn't even know what had happened. Um, my sister phoned me, and I was getting ready for bed. Uh, and she phoned me, and she said, are you sitting down? And, I, I mean, obviously, anyone who phones you and says, are you sitting down? It's usually not a, it's usually not good things that come after, right? And we didn't know what happened. Like, we, we weren't given any information. No one told us anything. We just knew that she was in a crash where people had died. We didn't know if she was even alive. So at that point we were we were preparing for the worst like uh she was like yeah mom was in a car accident i don't know what's going on i don't know where she is Uh, all i know is that people are dead and yeah so like at at first we actually thought that our mom was dead Hmm. and then so when did you find out it wasn't until the day after that actually my sister had to like call all over the place and try to get in contact with anybody who knew anything Uh, And it was at that point that we we found out that she was in jail and she had caused the accident and that she had uh, blew triple the legal limit. So then, I mean, that was a whole nother batch of emotions from going from the consideration that she may possibly have been dead
0: to she just, she killed people. Like, Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, that was uh, about six years ago now. is it 2016? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what what kind of emotions do you have towards your mother now knowing what what had happened and like i can't imagine what i don't even know what i would feel you know like i'm i'm genuinely curious how how you felt about about hearing Um, that news
2: to be honest like for the first couple years i didn't have any contact with her uh not not totally because i didn't want to or anything i just didn't have the means to at the time i didn't I lived way up north, and I, I actually didn't even own a phone. I, I had no way of, like, cause to talk to someone in jail, you have to, like, register your number and everything, and you have to have, like, a a phone number where she can phone you at any time kind of thing and stuff. So I actually had, like, no contact with her for about two years. Um, she wrote me a letter once. I I don't know. I I didn't know how to say anything to her, so I never wrote back right away. And to be honest I don't think I ever wrote to her when she was in jail. Um I don't think I ever sent a letter back. Eventually I did get contact with her over the phone and so we started to talk and I don't know like I I felt bad for her for the situation she was in but at the same time it's like I don't know it I felt really betrayed by everything like because like I said su- like I said uh before like I've said in the past like it's hard to feel bad for, for what, for her in the situation she was in when, you know, I grew up my whole life being told, you know, don't drink and drive. You know, if you, if you're out drinking and you need a ride, you call, you know, to the point where like my mom would literally physically force keys from my friend's hands. So we wouldn't drive. Mm. So like to, I don't know, I felt really betrayed to, to be like you, you drank to that excess amount And then you decide it was okay to drive after. Like, did you not think about me or your grandkids or your other kids or your mom or any of your family? Did you not think about the people that might be affected by that? You know, like, so yeah, I, it was really hard to talk to her for a really long time. Was this, this was, so this wasn't a common thing for her to do to drive drunk? I mean, there had been times, there had been times in the past where she's probably definitely uh, had too much to drink, but six, successfully made it home from the restaurant after, or from the bar, or whatever. And there was definitely times where, where she probably thought she was in control, where she was actually didn't have as much control as she probably should have, and put in a rough situation, it could have ended poorly, you know. But it wasn't like no, she didn't like drink and drive every single day of her life. She wasn't like she wasn't always drinking and driving. It was, it was something that had happened in the past like anybody else. Sometimes you think, oh, I've ha- I haven't had too much to drink. I, I ate a big meal. You know, yeah, I watched a football game and drank some beer, but I had a big meal and I haven't had a drink for 45 minutes and I feel okay, I can drive home. And, and many people do that and many people make it home,
0: mm-hmm. but many people don't make it home too. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, just before you got on, Chad and I were talking about how we've both drank and drove in the past and I, I could have easily been one of us at some point that – that caused a crash similar to this so um uh i know you were hesitant about talking to me about this um because of complete assholes online are, are you a little are you still hesitant <laughs> i guess or still worried about that um well to be honest
2: yeah there's still that that's always going to be something i have to consider like, you know, I put my face out there, I put my name out there, and, and you never know who, who my face or name is going to come up to in the future where they're going to be like, oh, you're connected to this situation. Or, like, I've had people send me threats. I've had people who, you know, in the past have threatened me, or threatened my children, wished us to be dead, things like that. And so those are those are things that you have to consider every time that, that you talk about this subject and you put yourself out there like that. But uh, I had originally told you I wasn't going to be here today, that I couldn't do this uh, for that reason but um you know in the past and and even recently as well like chad's helped me so many times and and been there for me when i needed him and if me being here shows some sort of strength in what chad's doing and in his book and and in the way that he lives his life you know the way that he's affected my life for the better like i'll do whatever i can to help my brother chad so
0: that's amazing it's amazing that you guys call each other brothers like this is I read the article in CBC and that's, I mean, I knew of the story before, but I I didn't realize that you guys were, were tight and that Chad was writing this book and stuff. It, I mean, it's inspirational for one Chad to just completely forgive and to reach out to, to your mom and to, and to your family and, and to do this and that you guys are tight and bond over it. Um, I mean, you hear of it once in a while. But I don't know. It's just amazing to me. What 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 have you guys learned from each other by through this process? Because I mean, for me, you know, like learning forgiveness. But Chad probably learned something from you too. So I'll throw that question to both of you. What what have you
1: learned from one another? Um, for for starters, family doesn't have to be blood. Um, you know, I'm closer to people that aren't blood related, um, for, for many different reasons. But as Spencer said, you know, our connection right from the get go was, was strong and nearly immediate. And, you know, I just, I just feel drawn to him. I feel, you know, supportive. We, we chat back and forth regularly. Um, you know, sometimes it'll go a week or two where there's not much, but other times it's, it's lots of conversation for a day or two. And you know, I've I have family members that I don't talk to as regularly as I talk to Spencer, and it's just this this connection. And you know, it doesn't have to be blood. So yeah, we, we do call each other brothers. We do lean on each other. We do talk about you know life situation, school, kids, jobs, finances, what it, like any of it, all of it. It and it's just a comfortable place to be. And you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything, and for sure, Spencer's a brother of mine.
2: I, I definitely agree with what, what Chad's saying, and, and you know, like that support, like, uh, like it's something that you, you, you think of family when you think of that kind of support. Like Chad, Chad would do anything to help me if he can, and I would do anything to help him if I can. That's something, that's what makes family, not blood. So exactly, pretty much what Chad said. At the same time, like I know that Chad's been through a lot, and I've been through a lot in the past and to see how much that Chad has like progressed in life and, and become the person he is today gives me, you know, motivation to do the same thing. You know, like, since I've met Chad, I've decided that I need to go back and finish my education. I've decided, you know, that I I kind of want to be the person that Chad is someday, you know, I want to be a person like that. He's, he's a role model to me. So definitely like, like he said, like blood, blood doesn't mean family and family doesn't mean blood. Like, Mm-hmm. Chad's definitely a brother to me. Hmm. Um, w-
0: when does your mother get out? I know she's, she's not in jail now. She's in, uh, um, actually <laughs> she's not in the healing lodge anymore. Oh, She's They're, not in the healing. lodge. No, okay.
2: she's on, uh, she's, she's out on parole, day parole. So she, she gets to work and kind of have a regular ish life as much as she can. Not really, but she's still got a lot of control going on. You know, okay. it's, She's still technically incarcerated. She, she has like uh, stipulations of what she can and can't do. And she has to be home by certain times. And like she, like my mom used to work a government job before all this happened. Now my mom works a
0: basic job like anybody else. She's right. Hmm. Chad, have you met Catherine yet at this point? No, I have, I have not. Or is that something you're looking forward to or, or thinking about doing?
1: Yeah, I, I have in my mind, a, a vision as to, you know, possibly one day meeting face to face. Um, quite a few years ago I did write her a letter when she was still in the healing lodge sharing my forgiveness. And, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to share those words face to face with her one day. Um, if and when that happens, I I don't know that, but I'm I'm certainly open to it. Okay, so the the ball's kind of in her court then at this moment. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, it's it's still all kind of new as far as, you know, she's out on day parole and and getting her feet underneath her. Um, and on my side, you know, I the book came out last year, and I can only imagine. Some apprehensions on her part as to you know what the repercussions are with a book um, talking about her and her family, um, so you, you know it's it's not something I would push for a rush into. let's say that it's um you, you know I'm open to it if it were to happen, and i you know I don't have any any reason to push for it or you know, have a timeline on it. Mm, that's fair. Have, have you read the book, uh, Spencer? Yeah, I have, yeah. Uh
2: shortly after it was released, Chad actually hand delivered me my copy uh to Regina with some nice notes inside and a signature. And uh I I got right to reading it. I took it to work with me and everything and read it on the road while because I was riding passenger in a semi truck all summer. Uh so I kind of got time to sit down and read that i read through that as, as quickly as i could like uh it was hot it was a hard reading you know I've, I've read a lot of books but there's not too many of them that i've ever read that i had that kind of personal connection to and there is some really uh some heart-wrenching pieces you know in that book especially uh when talking about like his family hearing about the accident happening and their time in the hospital and the decisions they had to make and stuff there was times where I really had to like put it down and come back tomorrow or put it down and come back in a few hours because like I just couldn't read through the tears anymore
0: (laughs) yeah uh I was telling Chad the same thing and I'm not even connected to it at all so it is it is a very emotional read so I can only imagine what it'd be like for for you to to, uh, to read it um uh, my mom's actually got a copy of the book now as well uh, when oh, okay. chad
2: delivered me the book he delivered a copy for my mother and at first she didn't really seem like she was too interested in reading it but she actually reached out to me a few months ago and asked me to deliver her her copy of the book and said that she's going to do her best to try and read it and i don't know how much she's actually read yet and I, we don't talk that that often, but we try to keep in touch. But I haven't bothered her about it. I'm trying not to rush her into reading it because, like Chad said, it's it's a big thing to to go through that situation and then turn around and have to read a book about you and your family and about the situation that you caused and stuff. Like I know it was hard for me to read it because mm-hmm. of the connection I had to it. Now I'm not how hard it must be for her to try and read that.
0: Um, there's one line from the book I, I wrote down here that uh kind of grabbed me says so not all is lost they still live on in a powerful message i thought that was really really great because because you are speaking out about it and your sister is speaking about it she's a teacher and she goes to is it mad or yeah mad or sad
1: she's um she's tied to both she's spoken at both um predominantly though in in school settings is where she has done most of her most of her speeches about it gotcha um
0: and, and yeah i don't know why that one grabbed me so much because i don't know to lose four people but to say not all is lost is powerful it's it's it's, it's
1: yeah to me it's and a I- it's a to me it's a choice it's a choice whether to carry on from You know, some of the really tough things that we happen, we have happened in our life. We all have things that happen in our life that are terrible, that are, you know, seemingly so hard to get over or get past uh, when they happen. Um, So, you know, me sharing my story and talking about it and even writing the book, it's it's just to, to put a different perspective on it for folks. You know, there's a way to navigate through all the tough stuff that happens in our life. It doesn't have to consume us. It doesn't have to take us down. Um, We can grow through it, particularly when we support each other to do it. You know, Uh, Spencer and I supporting each other through this. I, you know, I marvel in it often because, you know, having support For one another, uh, from two sides of the coin here, is is pretty awesome. So you know, I would like to think that we can have that in every situation out there in the in the world. Um, People just need to drop the judgments. People need to drop the the criticisms and give one another some grace. And you know, at the end of the the day, show support and love and that, that's the way to get through all of this. There's, there's so much conflict in the world. There's so much going on. And, you know, to, to me, that this is the way to get through or or to support each other through some of the tough stuff that's going on in our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple words you use quite often in the book that are a couple of my
0: favorite words are empathy and compassion, too. I don't know why it's so hard for people to not cast judgments and to just have a little bit of empathy and compassion for one another um, do you mind if I read a, a paragraph from the book and then get oh, bo- go right ahead and get um, uh, both your kind of reactions or your thoughts on it uh, this is from page 139 hurting hearts turned to healing hearts can make a huge difference in other people's lives we have all been hurt in many different ways and I would suggest that we all have the ability to help others get through the things we have been through. Empathy and compassion go a very long way when, re- when we reach out to others. Heart-centered caring for others has a healing quality that is undeniable. The question is, who is willing to share so openly with those around them? I have, and I will forever continue to do so as it has been most rewarding in every way. With a full heart, I can honestly say that this tragedy has shaped me into a better human, human being in every single way. Initially, it was a choice, and now it is the norm. I love that paragraph. And again, I mean, that whole paragraph could be used on both sides of the coin. So, for Spencer, for your side of the coin, what does that paragraph mean to you, I guess?
2: Well, like, uh, I guess it's it's a very not normal thing kind of the relationship that me and Chad formed but but it's something that that definitely made us both better people like had had what happened not happened i would not be the person i am today chad probably wouldn't be the person he is today like i said we both had struggles in our past before this all happened and and it was a struggle for for years after and and still a struggle today but We've, we've progressed a lot from that point, and we wouldn't have progressed in the ways that we did had that not happened. And sometimes, you know, the, the hurting heart knows how to love the hardest. You know, somebody who's who's had loss or, or has felt the same as the other person, you know, has gone through that depression or gone through that anxiety, gone through that issue, their their heart can understand it more, can give that same, that love that they know needs to be given to someone in that same situation.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well said. Yeah, it it is. It is really incredible. Your, your relationship with each other. And because uh, I, I mean like going through this and meeting Chad, have you, have you been able to lose judgment on others and um, judge others with compassion and empathy?
2: To be honest, uh, since I've met Chad, like I said, there's been a lot of changes that I've made in my life, uh, like trying to go back to school and stuff. But for sure, like, since I read his book, uh, like, I look at forgiveness in a different way. Um, Like, I grew up without really a relationship with my father and stuff. And there was, there was a a reason for that I felt, you know, throughout my my life. But, you know, at the same time, he's getting older, I'm getting older, he is my father, and I've actually tried to uh, forgive some of those things, and and I've tried to form a, a relationship with him again, and with other people in my past too. Like there's grudges that I held for years against people where I just, I just don't care anymore. You know, it doesn't bother me anymore, and that's something that I probably would have never let go of, uh, had I not read Chad's book for sure, or or met Chad at all. Yeah, like just meeting Chad and 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 knowing him, the person that he is, the person he was, and the person he's became today like it's really helped push me to be a better person as well.
1: Does that make you feel good, Chad? <laughs> well, um, I don't know what to, what to say or, or how to respond to that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just out here trying to do my best and trying to be the best version of me. Um, and, you know, the feedback I'm getting uh, from my book or even what Spencer's saying is... Is, is awesome. And it definitely keeps the fire lit in me as far as striving for more and, and trying to do my best in every situation. Um, and, you know, the paragraph that you read from the book, what comes to mind for me is, you know, breaking down some of the walls and some of the barriers that a lot of people have up. Um, when I was hurting the most, that's when I started talking and that's when I started sharing. That's when I started reaching out to other people to try to, you know, help in their situations. I, I, in a way, it was me deflecting from my situation by helping others. And you know, what I've realized in the last six years big time is just having conversations with others and allowing them to take some of their walls down, some of their perceptions away or or change them um, is, is huge. Because uh, it allows us to, you know, in my experience, take some of the weight off my shoulders, right? If I'm not carrying all the crappy things that are going on in my life, if I can share them with others just by talking about it or sharing how I'm feeling or how I'm doing, you know, that helps me. So, uh, you know, if I can help others uh, take a brick off of their wall. Um, I feel like I'm going in the right direction. So essentially, that paragraph that you read in my book, that's, that's sort of what I'm getting at, um, mm-hmm. particularly with men. You know, we're, we're told not to cry, toughen up. Um, I think that's a load of bull, uh, especially nowadays. I think things are different. Sharing our feelings and how we're doing is, is more important than ever, uh, so we can work through some of the challenges that we have in our life. What kind of what you're saying is very similar to,
0: uh, like I, I'm in recovery from addictions and it's very similar to the 12 steps. Once you kind of got yourself figured out, then helping others is, is the next thing. It's like step 12 and it, it not only do you, are you helping others, but it's also helping you, um, by helping others. So it's like this constant give and take and, and learning. So, um, I kind of get that a bit. I like what you said too about uh, about men and being open, opening up, and and how that whole thing is be step up and be a man and all that shit.
2: I would I would definitely say like there's uh, there's such a taboo behind you know men being emotional and men men like everyone thinks you know oh you're a man you have to you have to just deal with your stresses deal with your conflicts you know you don't talk about them you just figure it out and do it be a man about it you know. But it it is, it is really uh, a different thing with Chad. Like I don't have to be like I'm okay, yeah, I'm fine, I got it covered. You know, if I'm having a bad day, if I if I'm depressed or stressed or whatever, I know I can tell Chad exactly how I feel. I can I can message Chad up or give him a call and be like I'm about to cry, and he's not like man up, you know. And that's that's like something different. That's something different. You know, it's not something that you can do with a lot of people, not as a not as a man. Right.
0: This sounds a lot like AA. He sounds like a sponsor and you guys are going through the twelve steps with each other and stuff and it's
2: it's it may be very similar in that sense, you know? Like uh AA is just one big support system, right? Exactly. Well, yeah. Well we are our big support systems for each other. So yeah, you're gonna see a lot of you're gonna see a lot of similarities in that. And and uh Chad's pretty much broke it down into steps of how to do it. So yeah, it's pretty <laughs> pretty uh simple i mean to explain it's it's hard but it is pretty simple in the end you know like uh chad's chad's done chad's done everything since the crash to to be able to understand it you know he went to like self-help conferences and he he went to all sorts of like different uh conventions you know to to learn about himself and learn about forgiveness and learn about you know holistic life and all things like that and he's really he's really kind of i feel like he's grabbed hold of forgiveness and grabbed hold of like what actually matters in life. And like, he just held on to it and just never let it go.
0: And it's definitely rubbed off on me. I'd say. Nice. Yeah. Chad, were you always this, I mean, sensitive and vulnerable or was it because of the crash that, that you've kind of have a different perspective?
1: Um, I would say that's a hard, no, I was not like this before the accident. Um, uh i you know truthfully i never i never went inward or dealt with feelings or how i was doing or you know sharing emotion or even understanding emotion or like any of that i didn't i didn't dive into that until you know i was going through this terrible grief fog and trying to figure out what what's the next step forward to survive um and really digging deep and figuring out who the heck I was. So I, you know, the, the accident truly changed who I, who I was and who I am in every single way. Um, and for the better, you know, I don't have any hangups or regrets or, you know, hard feelings towards, you know, I, I could have went the other direction in that, that car crash could have, could have sunk me and changed me for, for the worst. I chose otherwise. Um, I chose to dig deep and figure out who the heck I was. So, you know, that's a long-winded answer, but I'm completely different in every single aspect um, and in and, and a positive, good way.
0: Yeah, I, I like what you say that it, it's a choice and you, you chose to go one way. Um, and I, I remember talking to a counsellor one time about this and I said, I really worry about it. And they, they said the same thing. It's, well, it's, it's a choice uh, Well, I was like, how can emotions and grief be a choice? And he said, well, you'll, you'll see it's, it's a choice. Like you'll, you definitely have emotions you have to go through, but whether you get stuck in those emotions or, 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 uh, be proactive mm-hmm. is a choice. So,
1: well, and the fact that you're asking the question suggests that you, you have the emotional maturity to, to deal with it already because if you're if you're looking if you're looking if you're already looking into that and wondering about it and how you would react to it i'm going to suggest that you already have some emotional um, maturity around that and you know you'll navigate through it okay
2: i entirely agree that it's it's definitely a choice like uh like i when when i heard about the accident like there's a lot of different ways that you can react to that, right? Like, absolutely. I tried a few different ones before I got to where I am now. That's for <laughs> sure. <laughs> and it and it definitely is a choice. There's a choice that you have to make at one point. Like, you know, do I want to progress from here, stay where I am, or move backwards? You know,
0: and and you have to make that choice. And it's definitely a hard choice to make. That's for sure. It's interesting. I don't know what I would do in those in that situation on either side of that coin, but. Um, it sounds like you guys uh, made the right choices. Is there anything you want to say, Spencer, before before you go?
2: Um, really, just want to say thanks for having me here. Um, I mean, it's it's definitely a hard subject to talk about. Still, probably will always be. But like I said, I, I'll do anything to support Chad and and the movement that he's pushing toward of just you know making the right choices and you know forgiveness and. I really i really like to promote his book because it, it does have a really good message so uh just thanks for having me pretty much
0: hey my pleasure thank you for for doing this uh uh it's it's really been an honor speaking with with both of you so i, I really really appreciate that that you did this so yeah I'll, well maybe I'll, we'll keep in touch i'd like a three-way hug if we could through the screen but, <laughs>
1: that sounds amazing
0: a a fist bump instead there we go (laughs)
1: Um. appreciate you Spencer thanks for thanks for doing this and Todd it was a great conversation great chat and you know I think I think it's important that the conversation keeps going Um, mental health and addictions and you know there's so much going on right now so if we all do our part to, to keep the conversations going in our circles, um, you know, we're going the right direction. So thank you for this. Okay. Spencer's gone. What do you really
0: think of him? <laughs> oh shit. He's still here. Oh, sorry. I'm a bit of a smart ass. <laughs> all right. I'm going to take off you guys. Have a good one. Okay. Thank you again, Spencer. Uh, is there anything that, that you want to say before, before we shut it down?
1: you know i'm in i'm in a bit of a transition period where you know sort of what i was alluding to before about tearing down the walls and and you know helping other people share their voice uh, find their voice share their emotions find their emotions um i'd like to do more of that and you know promoting my book and having people understand uh, more of my journey and, and how I've navigated through this and who I am um, speaks, speaks for itself. I, I think there's a lot of value in my book. Um, it, it's available on Amazon. It's available on survivingthecrash.co on my website. Or snoop me on social media and reach out to me. I can get you a signed copy. Um, any of those routes are great. I
0: was going to say maybe you should uh, consider being a, like a life coach or something like that.
1: Truthfully, that's what I'd love to do. Um, I have coached and mentored a few different people in the last two or three years, and I absolutely love it. So I think I think there'll be some changes going forward as far as my occupation and what I do. So that it'll allow me the the time and the space to to really go for it and do that. I um, I love connecting. With people. Thank you so much, gentlemen.
0: Um, that that was so amazing. I I there was times in this interview I was completely lost for words. Um, luckily, I can edit those out, and I did. Um, yeah, I was just in awe a few times of just what Chad was saying and just Chad and Spencer's relationship and just, uh, yeah, all of it. I mean, the, the ability to, to forgive and, and to just, I, I'm doing it again. I'm just lost for words again, really a couple amazing and inspiring people. So thank you so much again, you two. I, I, I appreciate it so, so much. And I hope, uh, other people do too. Stay tuned for next week. Like I said, I got stand-up comedian Jeremy Hotz, and he's diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. We talk about that. We talk about being on the road and his uh, he's he's got a dog that he takes with him for uh, support. and uh, yeah, it's it's he's a kook, so it's gonna be a lot of fun that one. So stay tuned for that next week. And hey, do yourself a favor. I'm always on Instagram doing stuff. I'm always posting goofy reels and stuff. Go to bunny hugs podcast on instagram follow me there uh and i'm also on twitter and facebook so yeah check those out as well okay bye-bye thank you for listening and please subscribe rate and review however you are listening to this podcast it only takes a moment and it really helps the show out with getting noticed this episode has been sponsored by penny university bookstore 3104 13th avenue call six three nine five seven one two one eight six. And check out their online bookstore at pennyu.ca. The Saskatchewan Podcast Network is supported by Conexus. Wellness, however you define it, is achievable. You don't even need to figure it all out by yourself. Talk to Conexus, they'll give you guidance, motivation, and the push you need to reach your goals. They've got you. They're your financial partner and they know you can achieve your very best, your financial best. Prove them right start right at Connexus Credit Union. The Saskatchewan Podcast Network is also sponsored by Direct West. Are you a business owner looking for new avenues to promote your business? Direct West digital billboards are a great opportunity to highlight a new product, new promotion, or anything else you'd like your customers to know about. You can get local expert marketing help for your business at directwest.com. If you're having a mental health crisis, please call the Canadian Crisis Number at 1 In Saskatchewan, the mobile crisis team in Prince Albert is 306 764 In Regina, it's 306 525 5333. And in Saskatoon, it's 306 933 6200. Don't forget to check out my children's book, Sometimes Daddy Cries. Sometimes Daddy Cries is told through the eyes of a boy whose father suffers from depression. He sees his dad get sad, rest, and even go to the hospital, all while comparing his father's depression to a physical ailment. Available on Amazon.ca I'll see you next time. This is Todd Redenbaum saying, make your beds and take your meds. Bye.